0: This Xbox Live episode two hundred and eight. Welcome to Pandora. I am Mark, AK Wingman seven oh nine, and with me, as always, is my good buddy Rob. What up? Also known as Presar on Xbox Live.
1: I think that was my line.
0: Well, you didn't say anything. <laughs> you just said What's what up? up?
1: <laughs> Legendary.
0: <laughs> um, and a voice from the past, which I know you guys have heard. Uh, many a times
2: but uh not for a long time
0: is mr esben
2: hey guys my name is also known as soul assassin 808 of course and see i said a drop yeah that's how you do it
0: <laughs> and uh we got a yeah.
2: new,
0: we got a new voice on the show a special guest this week uh let mr tanner introduce himself
3: uh, like you said, I am Tanner, also known as Dark Assassin ninety six on the good old Xbox Live.
0: So we have a couple of assassins: one soul, one dark. <laughs> so, uh, but now, um, uh, just to make things clear, you guys aren't a part of an assassin clan or anything, are you? <laughs> not that I know of.
3: <laughs> oh, I. But, you
0: know, you know. Not that you can divulge. If I tell you, I'll have to kill you. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, don't tell me. (laughs) So, Tanner, welcome to the show. Um, Why don't we start off with you this week, and you can tell us a little bit about what you've been playing this week.
3: Alrighty. Well, the uh, main thing I've been playing is um, the original Mass Effect. I finally went and picked that one up. So, it's a good game, as many people have said. So, I'm just white noise at this point. (laughs) But, uh... So, it's shorter than I thought, but I've heard the next two are longer. And I haven't even finished it, and I've already ordered the next two. So, it was that good. Um, and then I played some Max Payne 3. I finished... well, I didn't finish that. But I got bored of it and sent it back. I got almost done. But uh, that is also a good game. Um, and I've been playing Mark of the Ninja, which is... a uh, Really good game. It just didn't get a whole lot of hype. Um, it's on the Xbox Live Arcade, and if you're a fan of stealth or any sort of stealth, then you should go pick it up. It's made by the Shank guys, so it looks great and it plays great. So that's all you need to know.
0: Cool. And I think we got a we got another. We're going to hear from another community member later on in the show about this game as he called in a review. So just just between that and yours, it sounds like it's definitely a worthy title to check
3: out, so Yeah, yeah, it was worth it. So it was worth fifteen bucks I would say. So Alright,
0: anything else that you've been playing this week?
3: Uh not that I can think of.
0: Mobile games, PC, even other platforms.
3: Uh, there I've been playing the Great Big War game on the iPhone, but that's uh the only other thing, so.
0: Alright.
2: How
0: about you, Sol? I know you've been um,
2: gaming. <laughs> yeah, I have. I'm still on my vacation. My last day, so. Um, past week, I've been playing Battlefield 3, of course. A new DLC came out for that. Um, I'll go into that later on. I was, played some Forza 4, still grinding away on in the campaign, trying to finish all those races. I finally got my um finally got my level 50 for the um the manufacturer thing. Oh, for the um like the cars. There's like yeah, there's one there's one achievement where you need to be level 50 with a With one manufacturer, just with a certain manufacturer, you need to get to level 50 with it. And I finally got that today. It took me forever to do that.
0: That's a grind. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) And I'm still not done with the campaign. I'm still, I'm still at, I think around 72% with the campaign now. And I don't even, I don't even want to know how many hours I spend on that. So I've been grinding away on that just when I was bored. Um, Played some regular Borderlands. You know, just, just, I saw a bunch of stuff for Borderlands 2, and I felt like playing Borderlands, so started playing that a little bit. Some Trials Evolution. Um, I've been amazed with the stuff that people make in that game. It's just crazy. I've played Tetris in it now. I've played Pac Man in it. It's just, it's crazy. It's almost, it's almost like you just, if you'd buy Trials Evolution, by itself, you could play dozens of games, if not more. Um, and I've played a bunch of DayZ, um, which is actually a PC game. It's not even a PC game. It's actually a mod for Arma 2, which is a military simulator. And it's kind of like this like extreme zombie survival game. Um, basically, you start off with... A flashlight, a bandage, and painkillers, and that's it. Like that's that's your guy. Wow. You have a flashlight, painkillers, and a bandage, and they just put you on the coast, and they're like, okay, here you go, try and survive. <laughs> and it's it's that's it. You gotta go around, loot buildings, to try and find weapons, and of course, there's other people, other survivors running around, and they could be friendly if they want to, or most likely they'll try and hunt you down and take whatever you have, so you've got zombies and other players to you know take into account when running around and being based on a military simulator, everything is uh you know one bullet will definitely knock you down if not kill you but it's it's uh it's different from anything else I've played and um they're bringing out a standalone version later this year, and I'm very interested to see how that is going to turn out to be. Um, it's very promising, to say the least. So if anybody does have Arma 2 or doesn't, I think it's only like 20 bucks on Steam. So it's real cheap. The, the mod itself is free. So it's definitely, if you have a PC that can run it, it's definitely worth checking out.
0: Cool. Yeah, I was reading, I was watching a video or i started to watch a video on it actually today i saw a story about it and uh but i didn't watch much of it because it was just like the guy standing around not really then he was laying on the ground and then he stood back up and i'm just like well this this doesn't look very exciting let me find another trailer and then i got sidetracked on something else so uh, so i'll have to go find another
2: one to to see actually i have a couple i have a couple of videos on my youtube account that i um that i recorded while i was playing with a bunch of guys um a while back, oh,
0: all right, I'll check those out then.
2: It sounded interesting. It is. It is. It's very different from anything else.
3: The only thing I've heard about that game, other than just the fact that it was a zombie shooter, is that they added dogs recently.
2: They are planning to add dogs. Oh, they're
3: planning to next, oh, okay. in the
2: next patch. Yeah, you know, there's. It's it's an alpha. There's a lot broken with it. Um a lot that can only be fixed by actually changing the engine and going to the standalone version. So there's, let me just say there's more important things that they could be working on than putting dogs in the game. It, could, it might be better for them to start fixing some major issues first, but it's it's interesting. Cool. cool.
0: Is that anything else done for this week?
2: Uh, No, that was it.
0: All right. How about you, Rob?
1: Well, I've got uh, some continuation of the uh, frustrations of Deadlight. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, you know, keep grinding away at that thing. Eventually, I'll, I'll get it done. Well, uh, well, we'll see when that happens, considering that Borderlands is coming out this week. Um, other than that, on the PC, uh, there's a game that just came out the other day uh, through Steam called uh, FTL Faster Than Light. It's you know, graphics wise, it's a very simple game. It, it's kind of like a, you know, they, they, they term it as a roguelike game, but basically what you're doing is you're in charge of a spaceship and it's got like a top down view of all the different rooms. And, you know, you send your people back and forth in between the rooms. Like, you know, if you need somebody, you know, back in the engine room to do repairs, you just send them back there. And, uh, you know, you wind up a getting attacked by pirates and you have to go from place to place it's it's kind of interesting it's pretty inexpensive it normally costs 10 bucks i believe it's uh 10 off now so you get a buck off and then uh they actually have some dlc available for it so for another couple bucks you can get a soundtrack but it's a nice little diversion you don't need a whole lot of horsepower to run this thing on a computer so even if you got something a couple years old it's uh you know it'll run on your machine um, other than that, haven't been doing a whole lot of gaming. I did pick up something very cool uh, for the board gaming side that I thought I would mention, because I know a lot of people are Star Wars fans, and uh, a company called Fantasy Flight Games came out with an X Wing Miniatures game this week, and surprisingly, it's actually available outside of the hobby store market, and you can actually find it at most local Targets already. Although uh, they don't have any of the expansions, so what this thing is is you get these little miniature in the base game in the core set. You get one X-wing fighter and two Tie fighters, and it's a two-player game uh, off of the core set. And you basically have dogfights, and it's it's really cool. You, you know, you just play it on the table. You know, you, other than just the space, you, like a three by three foot area. You really don't need much else. And it's really cool. You have different pilots. You know, they have different abilities. Like the TIE fighters can do barrel rolls. And it's kind of neat how you do the movements too, where you have these little dials, which everybody everybody who pilots their ships, you choose your move. It might say like, you know, a slight bank to the right, and you're going to go forward, let's say, two movement areas. So then there's these, you know, everybody turns their dials face down, then all at once you turn them up and then you resolve those actions. So there's a possibility that you're going to run head on into your opponent. um, And then you do fighting. Uh, But how you wind up moving is you have these like little uh, cardboard mm, rulers, kind of. So you just place it down in front of your miniature You hold the ruler in place and then you put the miniature at the opposite end of it. So I I know it's probably not the best (laughs) explanation, but it probably doesn't really do it justice. But it's it's an amazing game. It's got a lot of theme to it and it's a lot of fun. So you might want to check it out. There's a lot of videos on YouTube about it and uh, it it looks really cool. I'm kind of excited to play it. So uh, that's been about it for me. All righty. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, this week, I played a lot of Rock Band Blitz. Um, I'm not sure why I'm still playing this game, because it's just sitting there flipping a controller, just the sticks back and forth, but hey, it's That's the fun. music. It's just the music, man. It's like, I don't have to break out all the guitars and... And everything I can I can play Rock Band with a controller, <laughs> but mainly you're just listening to the music. That's
3: you know
1: because you know what I mean. The game that I think really started all of this was Parappa the Rapper, like way back in the PS1 days, and that's all it really was. You know those catchy tunes that you like. Granted, that was all, you know, um, you know music made up for the game, but that's oh, all you needed. and It was yeah. so easy to play.
0: Well, Harmonix made a. Um... They made a couple games that was like that. What was it called Frequency and Amplitude? I think it was way back in the day. So it was kind of more of a our arcadeish style music game, which is I think kind of. And I've never played them, so I don't know what they're what they're like. But I, you know, could be that that's where their inspiration came from to do an arcade style rock band. You know, kind of making it more simplified, and so, but I don't know. It's I still enjoy playing it. <laughs> I think this is like going to be like uh, pinball effects. you know it's just you want something to do, you don't really want to jump into a retail game or you, you know you might only play for you know fifteen minutes. you just pop this on real quick and you can just play a few games and then go on about your day. you know so it's just one of those that I'll keep coming back to,
1: so it's almost like a casual game kinda yeah um yeah, it is.
0: it's very casual. I also played Spec Ops: The Line. Finally got that game. Um, played the entire campaign in four and a half hours.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm like, man, am I glad I did not pay sixty bucks for oh, wow. this game?
3: But did you enjoy it? Because I heard that game had a good story from just you, listening around.
0: You know, I, I, I still. Don't get what happened. <laughs> it's, it's like I think it's, you know, it's kind of like when I watch the movie Apocalypse Now. It's like, um, huh? You know, it's like at the end of it, I'm going, what? <laughs> um, it it was a very interesting story. Um, I there were some parts in it. Um, I think it's okay to probably talk about it, but I, I won't go into detail. But there's some things that happen that basically your little squad of three guys goes in to basically do a rescue mission. And with everything going on there, they end up basically shooting and killing just a tremendous amount of American soldiers. And there's a lot of things that happen that as the game progresses, you know, your guys are kind of freaking out. They're getting mad at you, you know, because of, you know, you're killing Americans. And, you know, they're shooting back at you. and, And all these different events happen that... Just really, you know, kind of mess with your uh, with your psyche, and then even with with when you get to the end of the game, it was very like um, very strange. Um, I did like it, I did enjoy the game a lot, um, but uh, it definitely that short of a game, I don't think warrants sixty dollars. Well, um, well, maybe I'll, that's
3: why it was so short, so you could replay it again and again and figure out what's going on.
0: Uh, I just didn't have a desire to go back. It was so, you know, I went and like did all the different, there's a lot of parts in the game where it's like, well, you make a choice and there's like an achievement tied to it. So I went back and kind of like redid those sections just to see kind of what would happen if I chose the other option. Um, Even the ending, there's, in fact, the ending's kind of interesting. There's one ending at the very end. If you choose one way, the game ends right there. If you choose another option, there's actually more, a little bit more of the game, not much, but there's, there's actually more to the game. So I thought, I was like, okay, that's interesting, which, well, and plus it makes sense, depend, you know, when you see what actually happens in the game. Um, so it was kind of neat to see like the things kind of play out a little bit differently, but, um, I didn't get into the multiplayer. I had no desire to play this game multiplayer. Um, so I didn't even try it, so I don't know what that's like, but I mean, the devs themselves said it was a waste, so <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm not going to bother. Um, I guess EA made them tack on, I think it's EA, or, man, no, this was, was this THQ. I think it was THQ. Um, made them tack on the uh, multiplayer, so they were like, that's not what this game was for.
2: So- that's weird that they say that, since they only have a four and a half hour campaign, then. And- You'd think that if they only have a four-and-a-half-hour campaign, they'd put more effort into multiplayer then.
0: Yeah, I guess it was 2K Games was the publisher. That's who, that's who made them do the uh, do it. Because Jaeger developed it, but then Darkside Game Studios actually developed the multiplayer. So it was the publisher that made them tack on this multiplayer. So Jaeger wasn't happy about that. So,
2: Doesn't the game also have co-op? Or was it just...
0: I don't believe so. No, it was yeah.
2: no, no. i do not that I'm a not that I'm aware of. Uh, maybe I, uh, I thought it had co-op for some reason. I don't know why.
0: The game is inspired by Joseph Conrad's uh, novel of Heart of Darkness, but um, I, I, so is that just
3: is that just spoiling the plot right there?
0: I don't know because I don't know what Heart of Darkness is. I don't, but. Um, from what I've seen, and you know, to me it reminded me of Apocalypse Now. That's what I thought of, and a lot of critics have uh, noticed similarities between the game and Apocalypse Now as well. So, but uh, I guess that was uh, Apocalypse Now was supposedly a Vietnam War era adaptation of Heart of Darkness. So, I might have to check that out. I wonder if that was ever made into a movie. <laughs> I don't want to read a book. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyways, that was it was good. I did enjoy it, um, but uh, it was a short game. And lastly, uh, I played the Expendables too. Um, been playing, I played a little bit of that last night with a couple of people. And we're gonna actually after I'm done recording and get the show posted, we're gonna get on and finish the campaign on on the hardest level tonight. So. So, it'll be fun. I, I like it. It's it's not the best arcade game ever made, but I really enjoy it. You're just running around blowing stuff up, and you can do it with four people co-op. Uh, you know, it's... You know, that's fun. I just enjoy good... If you play, like, Zombie Apocalypse, that's kind of what this is. It's just, you know, based on the movie. So, but it's that top-down shooter. You control the guy. The only thing I don't like is, like... You control where he moves with the left stick, you control where you aim with the right stick, but you have to actually pull the trigger to shoot instead of just pushing the right stick. You know, it's like, I wish they would have not made you have to pull the trigger, but
2: I don't know. Is that an arcade game? or?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's an arcade title. I think it's 1,200 Microsoft points. So... And then I guess you can buy all the upgrades, because it'll be like a serious grind to... Level up all the characters if you're looking at the achievements, but my understanding is you can actually purchase, like. Oh, uh, there's like a shortcut thing. Yeah, I th- that's what I've heard. So I'm like, mm. I'm not buying it. But let me, I'll pull it up here real quick
2: just to. Is it published by EA?
0: It is published by nobody. Um, let's see. H <laughs> two published
2: by Ubisoft,
0: uh, developed cause... by Zootfly.
2: Because I know EA does that with a lot of their titles. They give like shortcut bundles. Like pay us money and you get everything in the game.
0: Yeah. So like eighty Microsoft points gives you Barney Ross's full upgrade. Uh, two hundred and forty Microsoft points gives you full access and upgrade. So that might be all. That might. I think that upgrades everybody. So it's mm-hmm. like you buy three for two forty, or you <laughs> buy the pack. Or, well, there's four of them, so it would be 32, 320 Microsoft points. You bought them individually, or you can save yourself a dollar and buy uh, all four for 3 bucks. So That way you can pay them so you don't even have to play the game. Yeah, exactly, and you get all those achievements just by <laughs> so it's buying achievements. I guess that's that's easier than playing a game. <laughs> yeah. So, But uh, it's a fun game, so hopefully we'll finish the Hardcore run tonight. We only got, like, the last part to do, the last chapter, so. Alright, so, that's it for what we've been playing. I guess we'll run on and jump into our topics this week. We actually don't have a lot of topics, but what we do have a lot of are new releases coming out this week. I was shocked to see how many retail games are coming out this week. But, um, to start off with, I want to discuss... A little bit of what Microsoft is working on. Um, I want to read an article that I was... I might want to read the whole thing, but you, are, are you guys all familiar with Star Trek The Next Generation and, and the holodeck technology?
3: Yep. Yes. Yeah, something like that.
0: Well, well this, this thing that Microsoft's working on, I've heard the name, the holodeck, kind of tied into this. But Microsoft has applied for a patent... For an immersive display experience and according to the application filed with the US Patent and Trademark Office Microsoft is seeking to make gaming more realistic by moving displays to multiple surfaces and it's a process that appears to involve some version of the Kinect sensor now this the application was first filed on March, of, March 2nd of 2011 and made public by the Patent Office earlier this past week And it refers to an immersive display experience with a display environment that includes a primary display like your television and a peripheral image that would seemingly be projected onto the environment around you. The application also mentions a peripheral input configured to receive depth input from a depth camera, likely referring to Kinect. So... User enjoyment of video games and related media experiences can be increased by making the gaming experience more realistic, the application reads. Previous attempts to make the experience more realistic have included switching from two-dimensional to three-dimensional animation techniques, increasing the resolution of some graphics, blah, blah, blah. More natural controllers, you know, your body and stuff like they did with the Kinect. But the document goes on to describe that video games are commonly delivered by high-quality, high-resolution display, but that the media experience is bounded by the bezel of the display. So Microsoft believes that while playing games, users, will st- users still see the room around them in their peripheral vision, and that those out-of-context images are uh, muting the ex- ex- entertainment potential of the media experience. And I think, you know, if you think about it, you guys go to the movie, what do they do? They dim all the lights. So everything's black, and all you have is the sound and the video in front of you. You really, you know, I mean, there's some light, because they have to for emergency purposes, but they really try to drown everything else out, so all your focus is on the big screen. And that kind of helps you get into the movie, if you will. So I kind of see what they're saying here, um, but as I it, it's like, go on and I was reading this thing, it, doesn't, it just doesn't make sense, because they've talked about, like, if you have a couch, like the the projection would actually like display like game, the game environment over your couch so that your couch would quote disappear. Um, I, it sounds like a pipe dream <laughs> and I could just see someone now, you know, what's that couch going to look like? Uh, you know, just like a bunch of grass and then you walk over to get a soda and trip <laughs> over your couch. Cause you didn't see it. <laughs> um, uh, Microsoft says that including further projection of a game's environment in a player's peripheral vision may intensify the entertainment experience. Uh, this application also mentioned immersive 3D experience using suitable headgear, such as active shutter glasses. Uh, this fits perfectly with a Microsoft patent discovered in March that hinted at a Microsoft head-mounted display or an Xbox gaming helmet. Uh oh, boy. <laughs> Would you guys put Dude. a helmet on your head to play a game? <laughs>
2: I don't think so. No, <laughs> it's I already the reality.
3: It's the future.
2: I already have problems just in the theaters putting on 3D glasses because you no, know, I just, I just for some reason I can't. My, I get my head hurts after like thirty minutes of wearing those glasses. So just, uh, I, I just in general I don't go to 3D movies just because of that. So I, I don't want to wear anything while I'm watching anything.
0: Yeah, I I choose the, the non-3D version of the movies that we go see, too. Um, I mean, not only are they cheaper, but I already wear yeah. glasses. And then, you know, for me to wear 3D glasses, I either have to try to fit them over my regular glasses or take my regular glasses off and watch it through the 3D, which I can do. I'm not that blind, but it's still... I'm not getting necessarily the, the best picture, you know? So it's just... You know, I don't. When I bought my brand new TV recently, I didn't look for 3D. I, it's like, what's the point? I'm not going to wear glasses in my a separate set of glasses in my house. You know, it, they need to get to where you can do this without glasses. Yeah. For it to really take off, I think.
2: That'd be really but, cool if they could like project the game environment around you without you having to wear a helmet. But, I guess that's kind of tricky.
1: See now one thing about the whole projection business is how do they project it into the room around you without projecting it onto you? You uh, know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know.
0: I was thinking uh-huh. the same thing. I was you know, I don't know. I've this thing is the the document talks about in your peripheral vision. So it could just be that they're just um putting it off to the sides and extending it out a little bit. In fact, there's one image here. It shows where your character is standing there. And and, well, they got several different images, but one kind of expands the picture on your forward wall um, outside your TV. And then it shows it out long, the whole length of the wall. Then there's another one where it actually looks like it's behind you where the image is projected behind you. Um, But if they talk about your peripheral vision, it should just be right in front of you. I wouldn't need... To have something projected to me behind me because I can't see it.
3: Well, one of the, the, thing, the way I interpreted it was was imagine you're in Skyrim and you're walking through a forest and then it's not something you're supposed to be focusing on, but imagine if they put like a little some grass on the wall beside you and maybe like a couple crudely drawn trees, and you know it wasn't you know meant for you to focus on. It was just meant there to you know kind of expand the world around you, make you feel like you were actually walking through a forest. So that's kind of how I thought it would work.
0: And my thought on this is: Do we really need all that? I mean, I'm, I'm, that's what I want to. I would like to hear from each of you guys. Um, personally, I don't think if it, the, a holodeck. Yeah, I'll take a holodeck any day of the week. But trying to um, do that, or even the connect, I just don't use the connect. It just. You know, to me, it's kind of a, yeah, you tried and it works, and my kids love it, but I just, I'd rather sit down and play a game with a controller in my chair. That's what I want to do. So, do you guys think that Microsoft needs to be, is this the wave of the future? Is this what we really want for our gaming? So, Esben, I'll, I'll shoot that out to you first.
2: I'd say, for me personally, when I play games, I like it to be dark just like you said like it makes it, it's for me it's easier to see my tv and everything that's on it um so if they would implement that i would gain from it anyway but i mean they need to try and find something to make the connect more appealing to the hardcore gamers and and at least this is a beginning at least it gives something other than you know you can stand around wave your arms and play a game with it (laughs) but i don't see it i don't really see it do much for them and i don't really need it it's kind of like the 3d thing like it's kind of neat but i'm not really going to use it
0: how about you tanner
3: well, you know, like the Kinect, I I think it's just a sideshow. It's you know something you know when the guests are over, hey, look at this. I can project things onto my wall, and it's so immersive. And the only thing I could see it working in is a game like Rock Band, where they could maybe put the sliders on the wall. That way you you that way the, they're too small on your TV, and that's the only thing I could kind of see it working. But other than that, now it's just a just a gimmick. So.
0: I it, Rob.
1: Yeah, this is something that, you know, they're they're trying to do kind of like the next step in, you know, kind of cool features, you know, like the guys basically said. It's really like, you know, like I noticed the other day, they have uh, 10.1 speaker systems for the house. And, you know, how much do you really need, you know, beyond like, you know, five, seven, whatever the speakers – all the extra speakers I mean do you really notice them? Uh, I don't know and you know it's just you know it's it's basically like adding ambience to a game it's just is supposed to increase that experience that immersive experience just a little bit you know do I think it's ever gonna take off probably not I I don't really see them doing anything like this you know, at least getting a a viable production consumer type of device that they'll actually sell. Uh, One thing that's kind of interesting, I don't know if you guys have been following it all, have you guys uh, heard about the 3D goggles that uh, were on Kickstarter at all? No? No. No, No, there was um, – so some guy actually invented this goggle setup. And it was on Kickstarter. They're looking to do, uh, they were looking to do SDKs for developers, and I think it was something like uh, three hundred bucks. And you know, you can sign up and get the SDK for this thing. And it was supposed to be like an inexpensive, quality three T three D type of you know virtual reality kind of display. And what really made this thing what it is, because it's actually supposed to be really fast. It's not laggy. And what really made this uh, be the device that it is, like a a fairly quality device, is the sensors from cell phones. Because every cell phone has that little accelerometer, gyroscope thing, you know, that can detect orientation and they're super fast. You know, the widespread... Um, use of those in cell phones just drove down the you know the price of them and drove up the quality. So they were able to adapt these for the um, you know for the goggles. And uh, John Carmack uh, of ID fame, he actually requested um, you know a, a set of these so he could check them out. And he got a copy of them and he used the SDK as it was, and in a day he adapted. I think it was Doom. I think it was might have been the original, I'm not sure, but he adapted Doom like instantly and it's supposed to play pretty good. So you know, I see unfortunately, you know, a head mounted kind of stuff uh you know, taking off before anything like this room wise ever takes off. And in you know, I, I talked about this briefly a couple of shows ago, where there's that um there's a book Ready Player One. And in that book, the people wore these, like, head-mounted, like, laser things. (laughs) It's a laser type of display where it actually shot the stuff straight into your eye. And that's how people were able to see things. I mean, I could see that happening (laughs) before, like, you know, throwing a display up onto your sofa and, you know, the pictures of Aunt Mabel and and what else in the house, but... You know, I guess time will tell really which way it goes.
0: I I do like the fact that they're going in this kind of way different direction. Yeah. And that they're experimenting and I think a lot of things will come out of this. Um, even if we don't see the full implementation of it. But so I do like that they're, you know, stretching it and thinking outside the box and, and I gotta give kudos to Microsoft for that.
1: Yeah, this is like something that came out of a think tank. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they patented it.
0: And it'll probably never see the light of day, but it's something that, you know, they're putting money into and trying and seeing what comes out of it. You never know what kind of cool technology will come out of it, but...
1: Or who they can sue 10 years from now. (laughs) Or who
0: can sue them. (laughs) Yeah. That's what it'll be. So, but, all right, I think... uh... Any other comments on holodeck in our bedrooms or in our living rooms? <laughs> Alrighty. I guess we'll turn it over to Esmond for his Battlefield
2: review. Hey, you, you typed down, you wrote down something else.
0: Yeah, but you know, that's okay.
2: <laughs> uh, so, last Tuesday, the new Battlefield DLC came out for people that play on the PC and Xbox 360 and have premium. Um, People without premium will still have to wait another two weeks or I guess one week from now. Um, And with that also came out a patch because DICE always brings out a patch with um, with the DLCs. And you know, I kind of just wanted to give like my general opinion of the, the, the map pack and the patch. And also, you know, when pa- when Dice patches something, they break something. <laughs> it's um, an old habit they can't seem to break. So I- I'll, I'll shed light on that. I'll give some tips, um, on the, you know, the new vehicles that came out. So the DLC that came out was Armored Kill. Um, basically that's, just means big, giant battlefield maps um, with lots lots of vehicles. And they introduced some new vehicles like the tank Destroyer, the Mobile Artillery, and the AC-130. Um, with the implementation of the AC-130 and all those new vehicles, it kind of became a problem for them to balance Rush. Because probably as most of you know, uh, the game mode Rush in Battlefield 3 is where you've got an attacking side and a defending side, and the attacking side has to blow up the MCOMs of the defending side. Now, the problem comes when you give the attacking side four tanks um, and an AC-130 and a jet, and you give the defending side one jet. Ah. It kind of becomes (laughs) unbalanced at that point. (laughs) That's the major problem that basically... Is that you know, battlefield players are now stuck with is that rush on these new maps is pretty much impossible for the defenders because as soon as you spawn, you could either get spawn killed by a tank, by a jet, or by the AC 130. And the AC 130 spawns back every 60 seconds, so even if you take it down, it only takes 60 seconds for it to come back. Wow, it you know, I, I played a couple of rounds of rush and. No, on the defending side you go like one and thirty, and on when you're attacking you go thirty and one. So you know, eventually it balances out your kill death ratio, but well, it's pretty you, much there's the your play. balance. You just said the game's <laughs> balanced. You just gotta wait till you're on the other team. <laughs> I guess yeah, I guess that's the idea with uh, with that. Um, but you know, aside from the problem with the uh, the rush game mode, um, they also added tank superiority, which is basically you've got one flag in the middle of a map. Um, a buttload of tanks on the Russian and the American side, and just go out with the tanks and you know, have a blast and try and capture the one point. Um, it's fun, you know. It's it's something different, kind of like the gun game and the close quarters DLC. Just something different from the regular game mode that you're used to, which of course is Conquest. Um, I've heard people say that the maps are too big on Conquest. I don't think they are. Um, they are big compared to the other maps, and it's mostly vehicle combat. It'll be, it's you don't really see people jumping out of vehicles and fighting that often in the new maps. It's mostly vehicle combat, but you know, the maps are cool. There's a snow map um, which wasn't in Battlefield 3 yet. Um, there is, uh, you know, desert. We've had that a lot. Uh, there's there's a new one of those. Uh, In total, there's four new maps. There's a night one as well. And there's a a nice green grassy one in there as well. Um, I've taken a personal liking to the mobile artillery, which is a new vehicle. um, Which actually I found out today that if you shoot the mobile artillery and press start and look on your mini-map, you'll actually see where your rockets are hitting on the map. So that's a good tip if you want to learn how to shoot the mobile artillery a little bit better. You can kind of use that to see where your, your rockets are actually hitting. Um, see anything else? Another thing that I've heard going around is the Russian helicopter has been made a little bit too strong because it's supposed to be that the Russian and the American helicopters are identical. Now, basically, they're just different skins to make the game balanced. Now it seems that the Russian Gunner seat can disable the American helicopter in nine shots and the American helicopter gunner takes 15 to take down the Russian one which can lead to a lot of imbalance And you know, when helicopters go head to head. So I've heard a lot of people complaining about that. DICE did say that they're actually working on trying to fix the AC-130 in Rush. I think they changed it recently to 90 seconds respawn instead of 60. Which eh, it's not that bad, but it's still not really enough. Yeah. You know, they should a lot of people have been saying just get rid of the AC one thirty and rush, which you know, I kinda agree with that. It is a cool feature to have the AC one thirty, but it makes the game pretty much unplayable when you're defending. Somebody,
0: that, does somebody get in the AC one hundred thirty? Is or is it like a just like a bot control um, type of thing?
2: Did you play Battlefield 1943? You know the arcade game? Yeah. It's it kind of works like the bombers and that. That like you capture a point that it's associated with, and as soon as your team has the points, the AC-130 starts flying around and you can spawn in it. Okay. But it's it's not like there's anybody piloting it. It basically flies a giant circle around the edge of the map, and you can just shoot all over the map and there's two seats in it. Um, you can. Every seat also has an anti-air seat, and flares. So you know, if if it get does get attacked by a helicopter or anything, you can switch to the anti-air seat in it. Um, but I did notice some issue where there's like next to an airbase, and like you you have an airbase on the outside of the map, which is just where the jets spawn, and next to it is an anti-air defense to defend that airstrip. But the anti-air defense of that airstrip is facing the outside of the circle that the AC-130 flies in. So basically, when you go past that anti-air, you can't shoot at it with the AC-130. Not that it matters because it's indestructible anyway, because it's base defense. So basically, anybody that spawns in that anti-air can just shoot away at the AC-130 without it doing anything back. Which is kind of a problem on one of the maps that I've noticed. Um so you know, all in all, it's basically you know more battlefields, and more than what I'm used to. You know, dice fixes some things; they break it, they break some other stuff. That's it's what they do. You know, it's there's not really much more to say about it. You know, <laughs> if you, you know most people that really are into battlefield will have premium and will be able to play this now. Um, if not. If you didn't like close quarters, if it wasn't really your thing, um, and you're more into the big maps, you know this will definitely suit your playing style, and uh, it's it's definitely a good good add-on for Battlefield.
0: All right. Well, I'm sure no one dice; they'll get it resolved here pretty quick.
2: Well, hopefully. <laughs> no, the next deal season, December, so. Uh, that's when they'll fix it. Yeah, that's when they'll fix it. And then they'll probably. break something with the new DLC. Yeah, they always do.
0: All right. Well, I guess we'll see. Maybe they'll fix it ahead of time and surprise you guys. That'd be nice. <laughs> that would be nice. They could take care of the community. Ah, for oh. once, that would be change. <laughs> I don't know if we could handle that. I'm trying real hard, Esmond, to be nice tonight.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so... I'm 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 admitting that you know Dice <laughs> is not the perfect uh, developer. And see, and I, do could, make I could jump all
0: over that, but I'm not out of respect for those that really like the game. <laughs> I'm being nice. <laughs> now everybody's got their problems for sure. Um, it it stinks, especially for a game like Battlefield 3 that you know just got a lot of fans and a lot of people are playing it. It just stinks when they put something out new that everybody's excited about. Then all of a sudden it breaks, and makes the game just so unenjoyable. That's just no fun.
2: Yeah, you what? The one big problem that I saw is that, you know, I, I myself, I have some experience with, you know, QA testing of games, and I thought like after I saw how broken Rush was, and you know, they broke a couple other things. I thought like, okay, I'll just go to these credits of Armored Kill and see how many QA testers they have. Now, counted the Dice QA testers, which was 27, and then even if you take the EA Q- QA testers with that, it brings it up to like a total of 100. Now, like a hun- testing such a big DLC for such a big game, because I think the game is now at like 11 million sales. With 100 QA testers, you're not gonna find everything. And I think that's, you know, one of their big problems is they're not doing any public beta or any closed beta. They're just not testing these patches and these DLCs enough. Yeah,
0: and especially in the Battlefield community. Well, any kind of, any shooter community gaming, you get it in the hands of the public and they can break something and find a bug within an hour that, you know, 100 QA testers just never saw in weeks of testing. So.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what happens every time they release a patch. Unfortunately, yeah.
0: So, well, that's said to yeah. Are you are you still? You're uh, you bought the Battlefield Premium, right? Yes, so I do have it. Now, do you do you regret it or are you glad you bought it?
2: No, no. You know, I I like the DLC. It's unfortunate that there's problems, but you know, and that's what that was really to be expected of it. Um, but they're, they're not major ones, especially since I play Conquest more than anything anyway. Um, so for me, you know, Battlefield Premium is just another, you know, one of those DLC passes. There's not much more to it. You know, they give you some, some small extra things, but, you know, in the, the grand scheme of things is just the DLC pass. Yeah. And if you, if you like playing Battlefield, if you enjoy it, if you're gonna pretty much buy all the DLC anyway, you get a discount in the end, so you know it's it's worth it for me.
0: Okay. Cool. Well, anybody else got any questions for Esben on the DLC or Battlefield in general? Cause he's the man to ask, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> Not me. <laughs>
0: Not me. All right, Rob. You're gonna okay. take us. You're gonna take us off topic again. But no, no,
1: not, not really. <laughs> not really. So, you know, there's been a, a little bit of hoopla recently about that iPhone 5 thing that's coming out in the next week or two. And what, one thing that they had talked about was that the new iPhone 5, and this is a quote right here, is full console quality with its graphics. And I guess there's some updates to that Game Center I believe that that's what it's called, um, that everything ties into about, you know, how, you know, the possibility of it being more Xbox live-ish. And, uh, you know, th- my big question with all of this coming out is, is it really going to be any kind of threat to the full-on consoles, as we know? Because, You know, when somebody who's not a console gamer, when they hear full console quality, you know, to them, that means one thing. You know, to us as console gamers, you know, when we look at an iPhone or an Android or, you know, whatnot, you know, to us, I don't know if it really counts as being console quality. But do you guys think that with phones, you know, not even necessarily the one five with phones in general just getting so good and being able to play you know full 3d graphics you know like racers flying sims and so forth with them being able to do those as well as they do is it going to be any kind of threat to um, you know our xboxes and playstations where a lot of the people that are kind of on the fringe of the hobby might not be getting consoles in the future, just because they're going to be stuck on their mobile platform. You know, what do you guys think? Is is this going to do anything to diminish uh, the consoles at all?
2: Well, you know, I think if you look at us, you know, most of us, the hardcore gamers, you know, we we have both. Right we usually have a phone that we play on you know some small games while we're we're traveling or you know stuff like that, and then when we get home we uses our we use our xbox or p s threes I think the the phones might take some sales away from you know the the Nintendo consoles just because there's a lot of parents maybe that buy those you know the Wii or the Wii U for their kids you know maybe. You know, the iPhone 5 is cooler than the new Wii U for them. And, you know, for instead of getting a Wii U, they get an iPhone 5 because isn't it the same price now? I think they just recently released the price for the Wii U. I think the lowest is $300. And the iPhone 5 is, like, also $300 with a two-year plan. So, you know, they're basically, you know, they're basically the same price. Yeah. And i could really i could see the iphone 5 take sales away from the wii u it's it's different for it's very different for us but you know for for just to you know it's a kid that wants to just play some games and not even you know not the call of duties or yeah. you know the, the big blockbuster games does it really matter
1: yeah so like the people that are more casual gamers you know that might play their browser games or you know like you said yeah. uh I like
2: the more, for the more casual gamers, I don't think it really matters if they play the game on an iPhone or or on a on a console.
0: I don't think those people are buying consoles anyways. Or, I really don't. But, I think the Facebook people, the mobile gamers, they're just playing it because it's there. It was on a. They bought the phone because they needed a phone or they wanted a smartphone, and they just found you know because things like Angry Birds, you know, everybody plays it. But that's because it's like well, you have to have an iPhone because that's what everybody has. Well, you have to play Angry Birds because that's what everybody plays. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's almost like if you're playing a Facebook game, you you got to play Farmville. You know, it's, it's what everybody else is doing. It's just like people are like sheep, you know. <laughs> um, and I don't think that this really, I don't think it really would impact the consoles because they, those things still can't come close. Yeah, they might look good. Graphic-wise, but that's because it's a tiny little screen. You know, it's, yep. you're 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 not you're not on a big sixty-inch television. <laughs> yeah. With HD surround sound in your blacked-out gaming room, immersed in the game, you're sitting on a noisy bus with the guy next to you that stinks. It's leaning on <laughs> your shoulder, breathing down your neck, going, "Oh, go look out for that guy there." You know, there's no immersion in those games. That's just something to pass time for the next five or ten minutes. So I I don't think that they will. I I really don't. Until until they get to the point where you can plug your iPhone into your TV and play it with a controller and then it becomes a console, then yeah, then there I could see a threat at that point. But not Can doing
1: that. you can you do that with iPhones?
0: Not to my knowledge, not with mine.
1: Cuz I know on the Androids you can hook them up to HDMI so you can get the the screen on on the big screen.
3: I but, don't um, know. What's the... What use is that beyond gaming? Um, just curious.
2: And how you, you a... video co- or photo. You know, show, showing some videos that you have on your yeah, well, yeah, phone. Yeah. On the big screen. Yeah, a lot it of it is people. for movies
1: or something. Yeah,
0: yeah. Right. Yeah. That type yeah. of stuff I think you can do. But, I mean, to be able to... Now, if they're going to sell a separate controller that you can play and then get a full console game type of deal... Then, yeah, that then might be viable because you're going to buy, you know, you bought a phone and the phone basically, yeah, I can plug this in and download the game through the, you know, the app store, plug it into my TV with a simple HDMI cable that most people have nowadays. Then I think you're, then you're looking at a viable, taking money away from the consoles. Until yeah. that point, no way, because you're still playing, it, playing those games on a console are hard, or on a, on a phone are hard, man. Oh, for sure. You know, unless you're doing, like, uh, Angry Birds or something like that. Fruit it's Ninja. Yeah, Fruit Ninja. <laughs> you know, a, a mindlessly sweeping thing that doesn't require precision aiming like Battlefield does, you know.
1: I, I'm just thinking, how awesome would it be where you're, like, in a big shootout? You know, like, if, if you could get it up on the big screen and, you know, there was some kind of controller. You're in this big shootout, you know. You're, you're trying to fight for your life, and then you, this pop-up comes up. It blocks the screen. It says, 10% battery. <laughs> Plug in your charger.
0: Or, soul assassin calling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the problem. Your games could be interrupted by a text message, by an email, by a phone call. Oh, it's you know, true, yeah. It's just, talk about getting away from the immersion of it. You know, that's, yeah, unless you could turn all that stuff off for a while. Yeah, You know, don't notify me of a phone call.
1: Yeah, so it it sounds like all of us are kind of on the same page here where it's really more marketing to sell more phones than is any kind of threat to us as uh, big-time gamers. Okay, awesome. All
0: right. Yeah, nice try, Rob.
3: (laughs) Thanks, buddy.
0: (laughs) All right, Tanner, I know you got something you want to talk about today.
3: All right. Um, I came across an article while I was just – and it was um, on IGN, and it gave me pause for thought and think about a question that I've had for a while, and I wanted to pose it to y'all. And let me just read the, res- the article. Um, it's basically saying that Microsoft has all but confirmed a Halo 7, 8, and 9. Wow. Yes, but they haven't really confirmed. It's they bought the domains. They bought they officially licensed them. Halo seven, eight, and nine. It doesn't mean they've confirmed it. It just means that no one else can. So, but um, but anyway, it gave, and they've already but they've already confirmed Halo four, five, and six. But and even that's a little bit excessive. And that's you know my question to you: When should a game series die? Because I think um. Once you get past a certain point, it's nothing's ever going to live up to. It's never going to be as good as the first couple of games. Um, the best example of this I can think of is the Assassin's Creed series. If you didn't know, it was originally called Prince of Persia, Assassins, and it did it didn't do all right critically at the time, but can you because of some buggy issues. But can you imagine? how worse it would have done if it, had compa- if it had to have compared to the original Prince of Persia's. Because you would have had tacked on that if it was just called Prince of Persia Assassins. They realized this, and they changed it to Assassin's Creed. because They realized it was a whole new series. And, you know, should they take what they've learned with the Halo series and go on and make a new series? Maybe in, well, maybe not in the same universe, maybe in the same universe, but just take what they've learned and go make a new IP. Which, in my opinion, will probably... Sell or a beat better game than a sequel, all the way up to the n- double digits. So, and I'm not talking about top Call of Duty in this. So, I promise not to mention that. <laughs> so, what is your I opinion? I will.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think games. You know, when when should a game die? A game dies when you know. A game dies when it dies. It, it will die when people are no longer interested in it. You know, you can look at like the the music, the music games, the Guitar Hero, the um, the Tony Hawk. You know, they died when people were no longer interested in them. And as long as people are still interested in playing games that are very similar to each other, you know, when people are still interested in playing the next Call of Duty, the next Halo, they will keep making them. As long as their interest in those games, you know, they'll keep making Battlefield games until people are sick of them. It doesn't matter what kind of game, you know, they'll make Borderlands 15 if if people yeah. still want more. Ooh, I hope so. <laughs> it's just it's just the nature of the business. They'll keep making more until we say with our until we vote with our money, saying no more. We don't we don't want it anymore. Find something new.
0: Yeah, I think them getting the domains, it costs them a couple bucks just to secure them. Also, another thing I've seen, Microsoft's been buying up a lot of domains, and you know we're getting close to running out um, on IP four, IPv four. So, and I think it's going to be a while before we all get switched over IPv six. So, a lot of companies I think are just buying up everything in advance, even if they don't need it. They've got the domain, they've got that all registered, you know, um, you know, and it's to protect their IP. So, if they do go that far, then they don't have to worry about fighting somebody, you know, to, or paying millions of dollars to get the that domain back and type of stuff. So, you know, I I I think Yasmin's right. He's, you know, the games, especially Halo, they'll they'll keep making them as long as people keep buying them. It is very popular. The they branched out with Halo Wars, which I thought was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. Um, I thought their other branched out was, uh, what, ODST, I thought was horrible. Uh, I did not like that one at all. Um, but I think all the Halo games, actually, in my opinion, have gotten better um, with with age. I think Reach was by far the best one they've done. Um, and I'm really looking forward, and I thought Halo 3 was the best prior to that. It's just, So they're kind of one of the rare franchises, uh, at least for me, that's getting better with age. Um, and I think as long as they keep a tight grip of the franchise and they're careful with it and they don't do the Call of Duty route where you're getting one every year, I think that they could sustain that that franchise long into the future, um, just like we're seeing with Assassin's Creed. It was mentioned. Uh, Assassin's Creed 3 is coming out, but it's really, what, the fifth game? Um, and they've all been pretty successful. Um, I didn't care for... Revelations, though, I'll say that much.
2: Was um, that the latest one? Yeah, the last
0: yeah, one they did was really the. I think that was the letdown for me. Um, the whole was,
2: there was still a little change in between. You know, there's the last two games. There was so a little change in between them.
0: No, well, there was actually a lot in uh,
2: Revelations
0: because they added the like.
3: They just weren't the right changes.
0: RTS, like they threw that RTS game in the middle of it. Like you know, you're defending the, um, yeah, yeah. The guild or the the, whatever they were calling it, uh, you know, There's the assassins hideout, and it's like oh let's let's add let's do this like, RTS game you know kind of a weird, uh, zombified RTS tower thing. defense yeah it, and it's like that just didn't work for me and then the whole thing with Desmond's memories. That was like, I felt like I was playing some kind of bad version of Portal. Um, I didn't even go through them because it was just, I didn't want to play a puzzle game. I didn't want to
3: do a... I actually enjoyed those. They kind of, of course, I'm one of the few people that actually is interested in Desmond's, you know, history. Most people don't seem to like him, but I'm one of the few people that do. So I enjoyed playing his, uh, learning about him and the puzzles. They were easy, but they were, you know... Just, you know, to kill time. I would, I, I'd load up the game specifically to play those rather than jump into Revelations just because I had a few minutes to kill. So
0: Yeah, I just... I didn't even... I think I did two of them and said, that's it. I'm not doing it anymore. They're just not... It's not what I want to do, you know? <laughs> it's not with that franchise. So that that franchise was the one that really... Uh, more than any I didn't enjoy, yet there was parts of it that I really liked. Um, there was some great, like, I think that was the one where he was down, like, going down into a, a tunnel or a cave, and he's, and you're, you're running along and you're timed, you're trying to get through the thing in a set time. And I think he was going down into one of the tombs or something. Um, but the, the whole visual style and, and, and everything they did with that was really good. I really enjoyed that part of it. But, um, But I do think Assassin's Creed 3 is going to kind of... I'm hoping that it gets rid of some of that stuff, gets back to what we really like. But it'll be interesting to see because, um, you know, Colonial America did not have skyscrapers. You know, what are we going to be climbing up on? We don't... You know, it'll be... The the cities. just... I can't imagine them being, like, anything as vast and an expanse as what we've seen. So it'll be curious to see how yeah, that works well,
3: now we've got trees that have been growing for thousands of years so i don't I don't know if they have those in the game but that would be interesting to climb a really yeah. tall tree
0: yeah so it'll and then maybe we'll be doing a lot of tree climbing <laughs> <laughs> so but again that's that's been a very successful franchise so i, I think you know <clears throat> rob hit it you know i think it was rob or esmond sorry you know, the game's going to die when it dies and when we speak with our wallets. And um, that's really, you know, when you don't like something, that's why I say speak with your wallet, don't buy it. That's that's the only way you can make a statement. Doing an online petition means nothing. They don't care about that if they're still spelling, selling 10 million copies of something. So if you're, if you're upset at a developer or a publisher or something, don't buy their game. <laughs> <So>.
3: <laughs> and that's ultimately what it comes down to. So.
0: Uh, and speaking of games that <laughs> probably should die, um, and, and I love Gearbox. I really do like this developer a lot, but they want to make more Duke Nukem. Now, I'm not really sure where I, I feel about that, and I, I think now Duke Nukem Forever, you can't look at that game and, and, and fully say that that was Gearbox because that was so many different developers that had their hands on that game gearbox are the ones that finally said you know what we're gonna buy this with the rights to this and we're gonna just put this thing out we're gonna get this game put out and they did within what was it like eight months after buying the rights the game was put out they finally got it out on the out there so you know i'm glad they finally did you know it was just one of those long-running things i actually never finished the game i got stuck which kind of stinks i got stuck somewhere and couldn't get past it um But it was such a horrible game because it was so 1990s, you know, it was, it's just, everything was blocky and it's like even your movement and it's like everything was just back in the day. So now, but my, but, but what I like about it is they could continue to franchise, but actually build us a modern day game. You know, with with everything that we see and love, and games like Call of Duty, Battlefield, Halo, um, uh, Assassin's Creed, they could take all kinds of different things and and really build us a really cool franchise to go forward with the Duke Nukem series. I, what do you guys think? Is that something you'd be interested in to to see Duke done properly?
2: I mean, if you look at if you look at how they you know, Gearbox obviously may also makes Borderlands. And, you know, if you played Borderlands, the first one, you know they have a great sense of humor. They know how to make something funny. Um, they can, you know, if they want to, and they spend the time on it, which I'm sure they will, um, because, you know, from the the interviews that I have seen, um, especially the, the president uh, of Gearbox, Randy, you know, he... He deeply cares for the Duke Nukem brand. Um, you know, he was one of the one of the very one of the people that worked on the very first Duke Nukem. You know, he was there from the beginning. So, you know, I think that he will make sure that you know whatever they do next with Duke Nukem will be something that you know is is fits to the age that we are in right now, the time that we are in right now. You know, the, the gameplay will be up to date. You know, what people will expect. Um, same with the visual, same with like the writing and the story. You know, I think whatever whatever Gearbox does next with Duke Nukem, I'm sure that it will be it'll be it'll be something good. It'll be way better than Duke Nukem Forever. Duke Nukem Forever was, I think, more of like they just wanted it to be out there for people to experience it, even though it maybe not it was maybe as good as people were expecting. I think it was more a thing of just they wanted to get it out there so that people at least could play it.
0: Yeah, it was like that long-running joke. Um, But Randy said that, Randy Pitchford, as you said, president of Gearbox Software, he stated, and I quote, I willingly and lovingly acquired the brand. When I did that, I wasn't thinking that the only goal is just to make sure everyone could play Duke Nukem forever. The real goal for me is I'd like to build a Duke Nukem game again. So I think, you know, yeah, Borderlands 2 gets out. They're going to they're gonna release Alien vs Predator, uh, or I'm sorry, Aliens, Colonial, Colonial. Aliens. Yeah. You know, this this very well could be the next thing that they go after is a fresh Duke Nukem game. And I I would I would definitely go for it if it was in the vein of well you know, so I'll, I'll definitely more a up, up modern, you know, take the take the character but put him into a, a game of today, and that would be awesome. I would love it. <laughs>
3: well, are you saying they should change his personality cuz you know that's then it wouldn't be a Duke Nukem for a game and you'd just be then you'd just be playing
0: Call of Duty. No, I mean like so that like all the just like playing the Duke Nukem forever was just so limiting. It's like you didn't have all the technology that is in the games of today. It wasn't a fluid motion, it was, you know, it's like when you're jumping, it's like, you feel like you're Mario, you know, boring, boring, you know, jumping, you know, it it felt so old school game, because the game has been in development for so long, that it, you know, really all we had was more of like an HD look, but it was like playing the original Doom. It just didn't have that fluid feeling like Borderlands does. You know, I would like Duke to be able to run forward and and jump over, uh, you know, take cover, you know, be able to hurdle an object or something, you know, uh, just things that we have in our modern day games. Take that type of uh, abilities, you know, still keep Duke as his character, keep the storylines, but just make the gameplay and everything within it updated, which is not what Duke Nukem Forever had. So I think we'll see more. I think we're gonna definitely get more based on what uh, Randy Pitchford said. So I'm I'm looking. I think that's cool. Let's let's I say let's go for it. <laughs> I like Gearbox man. I like what they're doing. So, hi right, Rob, what you got?
1: Okay, so there was an interview with uh, Frank Gibo Gibo. I'm not really sure how to say that, but but, uh, he's uh, the, I guess, the labels manager of EA. And this was a little bit over a week ago where he basically said that EA's stance on things is basically that new IP should really come out in the, or is typically coming out in the first 24 months of the life cycle of a console. And that everything after that is basically to do sequels. So, you know, with something like, the, you know, the Xbox 360, where we're going, what, year seven now? hmm Is that about right? So if this holds, you know, 100% true, that means that, what, in 2005 and six is predominantly when the new intellectual property comes out or, you know, the new um, franchise's what not come out and then everything else is going to be you know you know gears of war two and three and four etc and this late in the cycle of the consoles it really doesn't make sense to put that out so they're really focusing they've got a couple of franchises in the works new ones at least that are in the works for the next generation now you know as gamers you know we can't really choose, you know, we can't really choose what generation we're going to run I mean right now we got the ps3 and we got the 360 you know we don't have anything else available to us so do you think we're kind of being shortchanged by their decision to to not really put out anything new uh, for the current consoles
0: I, I think it's kind of stupid I mean even if the new console comes out at the end of 2013 Okay, you're still well over a year away from that. You're not going to have market saturation on that new console. So you're going to put a new IP out at the end of 2013 when that new hardware launches. Who's how many people are really going to be able to buy it? You're going to have maybe a million, you know, out there, maybe 2 million compared to 50 something million or whatever Xbox is at now. Right. You know, I mean, I I think that's kind of crazy. You should put it out and you should co-develop to put that game on the new on the new hardware if if it's going to be available you know if, or i should say if your new game's coming out planned for the new hardware next year you should still be able to write that for a 360 version right because you're going to it can't be that much more money to make a yeah. 360 version
1: yep and, well, and,
0: and you're just going to throw away all that poss- potential income by not putting a 360 version. Because 50 million people aren't running out on day one to buy a new 360,
2: or the next Xbox. It might also be just because of the new hardware. You know, I could see them making a new IP that just requires the extra hardware that the new consoles will have. And because of that, they're not going to put it out right now. They're just waiting on the new consoles to come out so they can actually... Know, get their hands on the development kits start working on that fine-tune it for that hardware it might just be and, because of the new hardware
1: and you know life cycles were a lot shorter back in the day you know when you know a console comes out and then like three years later four years later you know we move down to the next generation and right now we're in year seven And there's still no new console. I mean, there's rumors, you know, maybe it'll be out next year, maybe it'll be out the year after. I mean, if it comes out in 2014, that's, what, nine years. Close to ten years for a console.
0: Yeah, and I think it's kind of crazy, because when when a new game comes out on a new console, they don't look that drastically different. Look, Go back, and and if you don't, believe me, look at Play Play Gears of War 3 or Call of Duty Black Ops 2 or Borderlands 2 or Battlefield 3. Play one of those. And then go and pop in. Um, what was some of the stuff that came out? Hitman Blood Money. Hitman Blood on Money. Was
3: Xbox that on? and Xbox 360. Okay. It was on both of them. So well, I'm thinking
0: early. of some of the 360 launch titles like. Project, uh, what is that, Project Zero, Project Dark Zero, or whatever that game is, with Joanna Dark. There was one for the 360. I've got that darn thing, and I've played it. Um, You know, it was Perfect Dark. Perfect Dark, thank you. Perfect Dark Zero. Look at that. Man, I put that in, I was like, are you kidding me? This was a 360 game? You know, it's like, oh, that was for the new console, and, and all the... You know, how wonderful it was. I mean, you go back and look at the first first games on the PlayStation 3. You look at the first games built for the 360 and compare them to what's being built today. Huge, huge difference. You know, so when the next Xbox comes out, I really don't expect them to be... It's not going to be like, wow, look at that game and what it can do, man. It blows the 360 away. People are going to be like, well, that don't look any different. You know? I mean, it, at first, it's probably going to look just like the latest 360 titles which is still pretty amazing. I mean, you know, but we won't really see the X, you know, the real cool stuff till maybe four or five years down the road. So for them to, to say like, well, we can only do it on the new hardware. I don't really buy that. You know, I, I do think there could be some stuff like you said, Esmond, that is hardware specific. Um, and if that's the case, then I guess they don't have a choice. But the article is more geared towards we don't want to put money into old stuff. We want to just build new IPs for the new one. And, you know, they're saying new IPs only come out. What would you say, Rob, the first two years?
1: The first 24 months, yes. Okay. Two years.
0: Well, we played, what did we get? Um, Bulletstorm came out last year. Rage. Uh, Dead Island. Dead Island. Yeah. These are, and they sold very, very, very well. And those are new IPs. There's several others that have come out. Uh, Syndicate. Well, that's a, a rehash. I guess that's not a new IP. Um, that was an amazing game, though, still. Uh, but there's been a lot of new IPs that have come out on the 360 in the last year or two that have done very well and have been very successful. Borderlands is one of them. Came out in 2009. Right? Yep. I think it was 2009. So that was yeah. past the two years. You know? So... I think uh, I think they're just uh, blowing smoke. <laughs>
1: and, and one thing that was interesting in, in this uh, interview is that he calls into question the willingness of players to take risks on new ideas. <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? You know, people I think love to to try new stuff. You know, if it's if it sounds good, at least.
3: Yeah. I
1: know I'm much.
3: I'm looking more forward to Dishonored than uh, Call of Duty, Black Ops Two.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, That's right. Yeah, we got that's a new new one coming out. So, yeah, I I think they're they're a little off their rocker there. They just you got a great game. If you got a great game, put it out. People will buy it. Right. I think they're you know once the new hardware's out, then you probably need to start building towards the new stuff. Is this going to take you two years to make your game,
1: yeah. you know? You know, I could see if a title had something, like, new and innovative that requires a lot of CPU or something that the current generation just can't do. You know, then you might not do it. But otherwise, you know, if you're going to make a first-person shooter that's just like everything else, you know, make it available for the current generations. Because, like, right now, there's millions and millions of Xboxes out there The new Xbox, there's zero. (laughs) Right. But, you know, we'll we'll see. That's EA for you.
0: Yeah. Oh, well. All right. Well, let's get... uh, We'll wrap up our last story here. If you guys have pre-ordered Borderlands 2, if you didn't pre-order it, well, guess what? It's too late. Um, But um, if you pre-ordered then you should be uh, signed up for the Premier Club, um, and you got that by pre-ordering through select retailers. Um, you're going to find that you get one golden key on launch day. Now, I've seen that before. and I was like, I wonder what that golden key is. Well, that golden key it unlocks a special treasure chest in the city of Sanctuary. Now, I want to put out a word of warning to everybody. The chest will drop some very rare loot once it's opened. Loot that is scaled to your character. So the potency of the loot within is dependent on the level of your character when you open it. And while we know how hard it is to not open a chest, (laughs) you might want to wait for this particular chest... And wait till you've got your guy leveled up pretty high. <laughs> because the loot is going to be that much better.
1: But then again, when is your character high enough?
0: When you hit level Maybe. 50. <laughs> That's my goal. I'm going to get him to level 50, yep. and then I'll come back and I'll open his loot. And you watch, it'll be crap. I'll be like, what? <laughs> it'll be
1: like a Cracker Jack box. and. <laughs>
0: Or it'll, or it'll be like it'll just be like a little bobblehead in there that comes out and goes, ha ha! You waited to level fifty. There's nothing here, ha ha. <laughs>
1: this is empty to anybody after level forty-nine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what do you think, Asvin Are you going to uh, you pre-ordered it
2: right? Yeah, I have the I have my pre-order ready.
0: Are you and, uh, uh, are you going to hold off to open the golden chest? Or are you going to go for it right away?
2: I'm definitely not gonna go for it right away, cause you know, like in Borderlands One, you know, you f- especially in the beginning, you find a better weapon every two seconds. <laughs> so you know, you know, getting a purple level one gun, I don't think it's really worth it. On the other side, if you're level fifty, and you know you're gearing up to, to take on like the end boss in the game, you know that that weapon might come in handy. Yep. So. I'll definitely wait till I'm level fifty to open that box. Tanner,
0: did you uh, did you pre-order this one, or you you said you haven't even played the uh, first one?
3: No, I played it. I was just, oh. uh, it's it's a good game, but yeah, you know, I can't, it can't hold my attention for <gasps> too long. So.
0: Oh my gosh! How did you slip through our sensors? How did you get on this show?
2: <laughs>
3: well, you know, I kept it hidden, but um. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: he came so, on and told our all our yeah. yeah, Borderland rules. Love it. Love <laughs> it,
3: it. I'm not saying it's a bad game. It's just, you know, it's it's a good game. I like playing it. It's just, you know, there's a lot of better stuff out there, so. But you know, Borderlands 2 looks pretty interesting, so I might have to give it a try if it ever drops in price. So.
0: So, no golden key for you. I <laughs> am um, keyless. Rob, are you going to you going to wait?
1: Course. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be a tough call because
0: you'll never make to the end of the game,
1: anyways. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So it'll never be opened. <laughs> <laughs> well, I finished the old one, the the first one, but uh, yeah, it's gonna be a tough one because you know part of me is gonna say you know you, you know wait till the end, but you know it does you no good and, unless you use it. So <laughs> I I guarantee I'll probably open it somewhere after level forty. Where exactly? I don't know.
3: The old, uh, it's the old, it's the old, but I might need it later thing.
2: Yeah, that's because they. I think it was, was it yesterday? I think it was the, it was a Gearbox Community Day, and um, they showed off the, you know, the end raid boss for the first time, which is kind of like if you remember from the first game in the uh, General Knox DLC, they had X, the Invincible. Uh huh. And basically, what they've done is kind of did that again, but for Borderlands 2. So once you're finished with everything, you know, you can start gearing up to take on the new end boss. And I think it was yesterday on their live stream on Twitch, they showed off the uh, the end boss for the first time. You know, and did I think they tried two or three times trying to defeat him. It was about, I think, about 10 minutes in. They died. They did about 15% damage to him. Wow. And, then of course, they were all level 50s, you know, four level 50s with (laughs) decent gear going up against them. You know, it'll be a challenge for sure. It's going
0: to be like the hour defend from uh, (laughs) (laughs) Gronk. Yeah, it'll be (laughs) the hour of attack this time. So, well, I'm so stoked, man. I cannot wait just two more days, man.
1: And Too bad you got to work
0: you know i may not answer my phone <laughs> 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 i am feeling a little little sore throat coming on <laughs> so no i'll be definitely on in the evening i i won't be on during the day couldn't take the time off um but uh i will definitely be on at night and i i figure you know what i can i'll sleep next week or something i don't i don't need sleep this week <laughs> so um
1: I'll be all over
0: that. Rob, are you going to be on and are you going to be on live to play it?
1: Um, I'll be connected, but.
0: Are you going to want to go about it yourself? or? Yeah, probably. All right. Then I won't invite you on a Tuesday night when I'm. <laughs> you can invite me and we you won't can... play together. You can you can listen to us talk about how awesome it is. Yeah.
4: That was so cool.
0: Sucks to be in Europe. Yeah. And then you'll you'll get it on Friday and you'll be like, Come on guys, let's play and we'll be like
1: Dude, so we, we already it.
0: we're done with that, man. We yeah. moved on.
1: I I fit level fifty to twice already. All
0: right, and there's a lot that's gonna come out this week. So there's a lot of other options to play other than mm-hmm. Borderlands two. So uh what I'd like to do is um I know Tanner, you got the list. Um, so if you want to take the first one here, and then Sol, you take the next, and then Rob, and then me, and then we'll we'll come back and recycle the same same way.
3: All righty then. The first game is Street Fighter 25th Anniversary Collector's Edition Super Ultimate Extreme Tekken Super by Capcom. So it's commemorating 25 years of the most popular video game franchise of all, franchises of all time, the Street Fighter 25th Anniversary Collectors Edition Collector Set. As the collection edition, edition uh, is created by, as a celebration and tribute to its fans. The limited edition set is individually numbered and jam-packed with Street Fighter games, video art, music, and exclusive collectibles. The items are housed in a specially created chest complete with a certificate of authenticity. Um, is this the special edition or is this the?
0: This is the the whole collection. The whole it's uh-huh. that's why it's one hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> oh, expensive.
2: Oh, yeah, it is. So, the second one is the F one twenty twelve by Warner Home Video Games. Is that actually the official title of that?
0: No, no, no. This is just no. It's
2: just F one twenty twelve. That's the yeah. That's what I thought. <laughs> So, you know, I have, you know, as you might guess, it is the uh, 2012 Formula 1 game. Um let's see they've they've added the um the new circuit of the Americas in the game uh, located in Austin, Texas. Um and of course, you, you know, you'll be able to drive most of the uh Formula 1 circuits, uh you know, the old ones like Silverstone. Um and like Germany's Hockenheim Ring will be in there as well. Um, you know, Formula One driving—it's a racing game. Formula One cars. I don't know if there's much more to say about it. It's—it's it's pretty. From what I saw, from what I've seen from the last year's game, it is pretty realistic. So it's kind of like a simulator. Um, so if you're into Formula One racing, this week you can get your new Formula One game.
1: Okay, and also coming out is connect sports ultimate uh, by Microsoft for a mere fifty bucks, I guess, which is cheaper than one fifty uh this one here is gonna include thirteen sports which are uh basketball uh American football, and then football for the rest of the world, also known as soccer in the u s uh bowling, beach volleyball, table tennis that's ping pong right yes. Isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Boxing, golf, tennis, skiing, darts, and baseball. Uh, There's going to be some additional content, which includes five-game add-ons, and uh, it's going to include voice control, which will let you do fun and exciting things like hike the ball in the football games, change clubs uh, in golf, and call an objection in tennis. Sounds like fun.
0: Yeah, this is essentially Connect Sports One and Two combined yeah. with all the bonus packs and stuff. So
1: or ultimated.
0: Yeah, so it's actually it's a really ultimate. good price if you yeah. don't have either or the other two. So, um, and here's the one I know you guys are all gonna want: Harley Pasternak's Hollywood Workout. This is thirty bucks. So hey. Not only get a good workout, it's only $30. Uh, This workout will give you direct access to the workout program that Hollywood celebrities use to get in shape. Harley Pasternak himself is your own personal trainer who will help you reach your goals with his signature five-factor fitness program. This is a renowned fitness and nutrition expert and best-selling author, people. How can you pass on his game?
1: I never heard of him, so.
0: He is responsible for getting many of it's because you're not in shape. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's responsible Gats. for
0: getting many of Hollywood's most recognized stars into the best shape of their lives, and you're also not a Hollywood star, so. yeah. It is scientifically proven, scientifically proven, <laughs> wow. I mind you, five-factor approach balances fitness and diet in one easy-to-manage program that can reveal the A-list physique in all of us. And I mean, the list of features is just mind-blowing. I just, I'm not even going to go through them because it would just make the rest of the show just seem pathetic. So just know this is the title you want on Tuesday. Harley Pasternak's Hollywood workout.
2: You can even use your own weights.
1: <laughs> <Ooh>.
0: <laughs> All right. So,
1: so basically he tells you Work out more and eat more better.
0: <laughs> eat more better. Eat more better. <laughs> eat more. Be- nice. Nice. Mhm.
3: alright All right, Tanner. All right. Yeah. Well, I don't know how this game will compare to the Harley. I've already forgotten his name. Um, Anyway, it's Connect Sesame Street TV by Microsoft. It is also thirty bucks. Um, Is this a sequel to that Connect Storybook thing, or is it just a a Connect Sesame Street Storybook thing, or is this just a different thing?
0: This is a different thing. Yeah.
3: Like okay, children are invited to experience the world of Sesame Street alongside their favorite characters such as Big Bird, Grover, Cookie Monster, and Elmo like never before. The Magic of Connect for Xbox 360 allows players to share in the experience through visual and physical interactions with characters of Sesame Street. Players connect players can, children can interact. Children, mind, children, can interact with their favorite Sesame Street characters on screen to help them with tasks, play in their world, and learn together. And it's also got voice recognition. And it's able to go from passive waving, watching. Oh you, can, oh, you can go from passive watching to active participation. That's what we want. What we all want from a game. And it's only available for the new for Connect for Xbox 360. With new content created exclusively for Kinect. So it's only available for Connect, and it's got exclusive stuff for the Kinect. So Woo-hoo! it's very exclusive.
2: Well I guess didn't... what the next thing is?
0: <laughs> I'm betting it's a game for
3: Kinect. Does Connect? it also
2: have TV in the title? <laughs> it does, and it's also for Kinect. It is Connect Nat Geo T V which probably means National Geographic. It so, does. yeah, if you want to experience some National Geographic with your children using the Xbox 360 Kinect technology, this is the game for you. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, Nat- Connect National Geographic TV is just one of the... New playful learning experiences available for Connect that provides children and families, which enti- with entirely new ways to learn while having fun and being entertained through interactive TV. You know, Yay. get your kids to learn stuff while they're playing as well. That's Multitasking. What the for. I tell them to go outside.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: you know, keep them inside. Now you can keep them inside. You know, where they're safe. It's only 30 bucks. Yeah, but I'm well, inside. <laughs> yeah, you don't want
1: them inside playing on your Xbox. That's you right. want them outside. So you can play on it. That's right. Okay, the next one that's coming out this week, I I think is probably the most talked game that we've had in the past 10 weeks. Never, and that never is heard Border, of it. <laughs> Borderlands 2. That sounds familiar. So I've, never, I've never heard of it. Yeah. So to, to reiter, reiterate everything we've been talking about the last couple of weeks there's three versions uh coming out uh from the normal price to the expensive at 150 bucks for the what legendary or whatever ultimate it's called loot loot loot, edition, ultimate, ultimate loot ultimate loot yeah
2: yeah
0: did you guys see the unboxing of that
2: no. IGN seen.
0: did an unboxing of it
2: I I saw it, the, um, I, saw the I saw the one off I saw the one off um hello kitty loot box at the uh, gearbox community, because they... the factory, the factory that they make those loot boxes at, is actually also the factory that makes the Hello Kitty items, and also the factory that actually, like, the factory owns the Hello Kitty brand. So they did like a one-off special Hello Kitty loot box.
0: That's funny. I'll
2: have to look that one up. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was cool to see.
1: Okay, so Borderlands two will be sporting hopefully a lot more of the fun stuff that we liked in Borderlands one from back in the day. And uh hopefully y'all got it pre ordered and we'll be playing it Tuesday. Friday. That's or Friday. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: location,
1: That's
3: location, it. location.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, did you guys have anything else that you guys wanted to talk about before we go into our our friends list?
2: No, I don't. I don't have anything else. Uh, I've got nothing.
0: All right. So what we got here this week is we got a oh, three voicemails, all from the same person. <laughs> so I'm gonna just uh, I'm gonna run them all back to back and just and then we can. Um, We'll comment after we're done. So let's uh, let's hear what Muta- what Mudtastic had to say this week.
4: Hey there, everybody. This is Mudtastic, and I want to start off saying, say what? This is about the Walking Dead episode number three, uh, in which uh, last week uh, Rob and Mark were both saying that they thought it was okay, and you know it was uh, it's kind of all right. And I'm like, I'm listening to that, and I'm going, you guys are crazy because. Yeah, it's not the same kind of, uh, you know, maybe adrenaline pull like the the number two was. But, yeah, I thought it was – there was definitely intense moments. And I think that's what part of Walking Dead is all about, uh, intense uh, moments. And, I, I mean, I without trying to give anything away, I mean, there were times when I was really beside myself. And you know what? There are certain things that happened too, in that game that you can't control. I actually tried it a couple different times and there's it, it, it doesn't change anything. Now I wonder if I go all the way back to the beginning and then I change some decisions there how it would look all the way in episode three and I might have to try to do that. But um you shouldn't have control over everything, you know, and I guess it goes kinda of goes back to the Mass Effect three thing, but how much control should you have? I thought I was dumbfounded and kind of flabbergasted and whoa, out of my mind. Uh, I was like, I can't believe that just happened. And I didn't want it to happen, uh, but it did happen, and I was like, and know, I'm trying to deal with that. And how do you deal with uh, what occurred? You know, I'm talking so vague, and I know it's not very descriptive, but for those people out there who watched this or done this episode, they know what I'm talking about. So that's all i got to say on that, and I think you guys – I just, just stick it out because I, I uh, this is good, This is great stuff. You know, if this is crack, this was high grade crack. Um, for uh, the likes of people who are really into the story and what's going on. I mean, this is all character and what's going to happen. And it makes you even more invested in the people that are that are there and, and uh, that you're working with. At least, at least to me. So that's just my two cents on that. Bye. Hey everybody there at Xbox Live again, this is Mudtastic and I just wanted to do a brief, uh, Darksiders 2. I just finished this game on Ap- Apocalyptic and I uh, wanted to provide, uh, just a little bit of feedback in case you're thinking about it or don't want to pick it up later. It's a, it is a good game. I really, I did enjoy it. I liked the first Darksiders, so if you liked the Darksiders with war, you're gonna like Darksiders 2 with, uh, death. And there are some things that are definitely improved. It has kind of the same game mechanics where you can introduce to um, a ways to get around the environments as you progress, very Prince of Persia-like, uh, where you can run along walls. You have chains that you can get to get you to other areas or things that you can teleport through later on in the games. And then you have to go back earlier in the game because there's areas that you couldn't have accessed before, kind of Castlevania-wise. Um and uh there's puzzles i i the the environmental puzzles are a lot of fun um they're not hugely complex. Dark Siders had a, a segment in uh in a maze that was really confusing um This doesn't have any of that um there are some there are some complex ones, but when you think about it and you think about the tools that you've got, you can easily work through them. It's a good game uh and and you know you feel like oh wow okay, I figured that out. I didn't need really a guide or anything to do that. Uh, There are a lot of collectibles in the game. There's something like over 100. It's like Batman Arkham Asylum. Um, Arkham City, I mean, uh, with the collectibles. Uh, There's just so many of them. So, in all, and as as a quick rundown, it's a good game. Good battle fighting. I really enjoyed that. Uh, The ducking and dodging and the different types of moves you can pick up that are all very easy to do uh, and change up the way you use it, the different weapons, and upgrading of the weapons and your abilities are um, fun too with the way you can upgrade your fighting or like summoning things to help fight alongside you so if you're looking at a good game like that like a puzzle kind of you know it's still like legend of zelda like um, prince of persia this is a good game for you to uh, pick up just know that and it's easily you can get the thousand points uh, for those people who are looking for that but it's going to take a little time because you gotta there's a lot of collectibles Uh, so i'll talk to you guys later and have a good one bye bye Hello there, everybody, again, and this is Mudtastic, third time this week. Holy cow, I know. Um, Today I'm calling about, or uh, right now, I feel the need, the urge that I must express myself because I am playing a game, an XBLA game called Mark of the Ninja. This is a stealth game that is one of the best, coolest actionist stealth games. I don't know if actionist is really a word, but action-like. Stealth games that you can get out there, and who doesn't like ninjas? I mean, ninjas are awesome. Unless they're like undead ninjas. Undead ninjas would be really cool. But this Mark of the Ninja game uh, is a stealth game, but it's uh, kind of got a cartoony color style. It is side-scrolling. Um, it is it has got some great gameplay mechanics. I just I can't even know where to start because you get on there and you have the ability to hide, and your color changes when you're hidden in shadows versus when light covers you, and you sneak up on guards and stuff, and you uh, learn different maneuvers to take the guards out, or you can completely sneak by them using different pieces of equipment like uh, firecrackers or smoke bombs and things like that so you can slip through. It's completely up to you how you get through a level, and levels have multiple different pathways to get through them. Whether you're climbing through vents or over trees or um using your grappling hook to um you can dangle from locations and string people up. Um it is and, you know, and the story's kinda of fun too. I've been enjoying the story. I'm about halfway through it, I think. Um the achievements are all very doable. Uh so if you're out there you want to pick up uh four hundred points, uh this is a great game for that too. Uh Mark of the Ninja, I have heard about it through some other podcasts. Uh and it was great. I'm just I'm blubbering. This is uh, if you don't like normally like stealth games, you're gonna like this. This is stealth made easy. Stealth not made uh, overly complicated, but it works really well. If you haven't tried this game, you gotta try it. Check it out the demo, and then I know you're gonna spend. It's 1,200 Microsoft points, so yeah, I know it's a little pricey, uh, 15, but it's worth it. It is absolutely worth it. This is grade a prime rib kind of stuff. This is like oh my god, like this is so good so that's me just telling you about this mark of the ninja pick it up today thanks i'll talk to you later bye
0: all right thanks mud we appreciate your voicemails appreciate your reviews um glad you're liking the games um and no worries rob and i are we're going to stick with the walking dead uh of, of all the other episodes we liked it it just seemed a little different it was just uh i think we were kind of just so expecting you know, just some traumatic thing. I mean, there were some points. You made some good points. There was some things that I was like, "What? No!" <laughs> this, especially the stuff you can't control. <laughs> that bothered me. Um, that was the person I liked the most that got blown away. So, um, you know. Anyways, we'll keep playing, and I keep. I'm looking forward to it. And we're only like, what are we like, four weeks away from the TV show starting? back up again the new season somewhere somewhere in
2: October right I think it's October 14th right yeah something like that so when it starts up
1: oh I
0: can't wait I'm starting to see advertisements for it now it's like oh (laughs) man I can't wait so but uh thanks for your reviews mud appreciate it um and that pretty much wraps us up this week um if you do listen to us on iTunes please rate us and review us um, if you can give us five stars if you like us, please give us five stars. It helps us get noticed on iTunes Store. Um, if you're looking for the show, um, you can always – well, you should have already found it if you're hearing this. But you can get us on iTunes. You can get us on Zoom. You can also get us through the RSS feed. All three options are available on our website um, under the contact page or under the podcast posts. You'll see the links for all three of those. Um uh, you can again. I mentioned the website, thisxboxlife.com. dot Email us any questions you have at contact at XboxLife dot com. Uh, if you want to be on the show, send us an email to that address. Uh, YouTube, uh, YouTube. dot com forward slash thisxboxlife, Our Facebook group is out there. Facebook is um, the best place to communicate and talk with the community. Uh, we got a pretty active Facebook group, so uh, it's nice to people chit chatting about all kinds of different things in there. Um, we got our Twitter, which is twitter.com forward slash this Xbox life. And you can leave us a voicemail like Mr. Montastic did by calling 224-698-XBOX. That's 224-698-9269. Uh, big thanks out to, uh, to you, SoulAssassin808, and also DarkAssassin96. Appreciate you guys, Aspen and Tanner, for coming on the show, and hope you guys had a good time.
2: Yeah, man. Yep. And,
0: and I'd like to note that Esmond had got up and was doing this. He started this at 4 o'clock in the morning and is now, what, almost 6
2: a.m.? Almost 6,
1: yeah.
0: Wow. So that's dedication for you. So appreciate it. <laughs> 6
1: a.m. on a Monday.
0: And he did <laughs> that just, just to tell you all about the Battlefield DLC. So, um, you know, you, if you're a friend of his, send him a thanks, you know, uh, for for his dedication to you guys. That's pretty cool. I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> I'd have said, let them find out about the problems when they buy it themselves. I'm going to. Buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right. With that, I am Mark, aka Wingman709, taking off.
1: I'm Rob, also known as Presar. Uh, thanks for listening. Catch y'all later.
3: And I am DarkAssassin96, also known as Tanner, signing out.
2: Hi, my husband, a.k. I'm husband, aka Soul and and oh eight. I'm going to die.